Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Protect yourself from identity theft and take complete control of your debit card with Secure Lock Equip from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Visit FABNT.com for details. Member FDIC. Talking a lot of college football, obviously Arkansas playing Penn State in the Outback Bowl. It's taken up a lot of that conversation. We talked some semifinals and some college football playoffs and all those things as well. But something that, of course, has been on the minds of many and been talked about among many in the college football landscapes is about bowl cancellations. Again, knock on wood, Arkansas and Penn State is a full go, so we don't have to worry about that one having any sort of interruptions. But other teams and other bowl games have not been so lucky. We've seen Texas A&M bow out of their bowl game. UCLA bow out of their bowl game and uh, left NC State out to dry. There's just been a, a lot of problems, a lot of maneuvering, and a lot of reaction to this, and we're going to continue to talk about some of these bowl games and the cancellations that have been going on with them as well as we go ahead and go to the phone lines and welcome in Sam Kahn, Jr., who is a senior writer covering all college football for the athletics. Sam, really appreciate you joining us this afternoon, man. How you doing? Good. How are you? Man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good, and it's just I'm enjoying the bowl games while we get to see them. But at the same time, man, it's been kind of disappointing to see so many bowl games. Even though you know, if you're generally speaking, it's not that many, but seeing a lot of these bowl games not be able to get played just because of COVID issues, man, it's been pretty disappointing. Yeah, like this morning, I expected to wake up and turn on a game before we. Right now, we got the Pinstripe Bowl with Virginia Tech and Maryland, but. Uh, I, I was expecting around 11 or, or 11.30 Central that we would have a game on. And of course, we didn't because the uh, Fenway Bowl, which should have been played between SMU and Virginia, got canceled. So that's the unfortunate part is the one thing I love about bowl season is the, the weekday bowl games that run all day. And we had mostly most of them run all day yesterday. I think we had the one canceled with UCLA, the Holiday Bowl. But uh, for the most part, we were able to have games go on all day long. There's something oddly comforting about the fact that the games go on all day. So when there's one that's vacant for, you know, for a cancellation and leaves that dead air for a little while, then I kind of don't know what's flip on the TV at that point. Yeah, that's that's the thing. And it was like, I, I feel like at least the biggest story, or at least the, the biggest name or the biggest team that kind of started all this was Texas A&M. And theirs was kind of a weird one because when, when they announced that they were going to be playing and heard about how many uh, depletions they were going to be having with uh, on position groups and everything. I kept thinking, I was like, okay, but you're still 10 days away from the bowl game. It seemed like maybe it was a little bit of premature, but it seemed like Texas A&M was the, really the one that started getting it going, and particularly being an SEC team, it was really important too. But what did you make of that situation with Texas A&M, and uh, what, what was the number situation looking like for them to where uh, it was so bad that they couldn't even compete in a football game? Yeah, it was pretty tough because obviously it wasn't just COVID. Obviously, like a lot of teams, you've got transfers, you've got some opt-outs, you've got injuries that have hurt this team. So when you combine all those issues, athletic director Ross Bjork said the number was 38 scholarship players they had available uh, the day they announced the cancellation. So uh, certainly you could have stayed to get some of those guys back from from COVID, but again, some of those guys have to also isolate for 10 days. You know, at least. And that, that change from the CDC just didn't come until recently for the five days. So, I mean, I guess had the five-day policy been in, could it have made a difference? I, who's to say? I, I don't know because I don't know how many of those guys were COVID guys and how many of them. The, the rest of them, there were injuries and opt-outs and the other stuff. Uh, they had six guys, I think, opt-out that are going to the draft. They've got 
transfers. The quarterback room has been decimated because Haynes King, who was injured in week two, he was recovering but uh, and it started practicing, but Jimbo Fisher still sounded skeptical about him being able to, to be a full strength to play. Uh, and then, of course, Zach Calzada, the starter who, who played for them the rest of the season, he, he announced in mid-December that he was transferring, so he was already gone. So that left just one walk-on starting quarterback, a true freshman, Blake Boats, who played a little bit this year, but not very much at all. And uh, they didn't really have any quarterback depth behind them. I think ha- had they had to go beyond Boats or if, if King had to be forced in an emergency situation, I guess the other option were maybe going to like a wildcat of some sort. It, it would have been interesting because they don't really have any other quarterbacks on the roster. So they were in a really tough situation, uh, not just from position group standpoint, but just from a total number standpoint too. Yeah, and I think the the question that I have and many others do is when these games get canceled, like for instance the Holiday Bowl, like okay, so what happens with like the money? You know, like who who has to eat the money? Is it the, does the advertisers get refunds? Do do they still have to spend them? Do, do the teams that played in it not get uh, their bowl bid money? I mean, what's the financial situation look like when it comes to these cancellations and and who's really getting the brunt of it all? Yeah, I know the teams that don't, don't get the payout if they don't participate in it, from, from my understanding. As far as the advertisers go, I, I would assume, and this is without seeing those contracts, I would assume most of those contracts have some kind of force majeure in it, just like most do for unforeseen circumstances like this. So uh, I, I would imagine there's some kind of way that, that that gets factored in. But, yeah, it certainly hurts. And I know for some of these schools, I, you know, I know for years and years, I don't know if it's still the case, but for years and years that, that there were requirements for the schools to buy a certain amount of tickets uh, for the bowl game. And I think that still exists as far as I know that, and, and, and so those schools that buy them and they sell them to their fans, uh, you know, to, to essentially fulfill their requirement for the bowl. And so if, if you have that and you end up having to refund those fans, that's, that's a little bit difficult. I know I've seen some group of five programs uh, in particular, which obviously are not as financially flush as the power five schools, uh, getting hit a little bit financially. And I think I saw East Carolina was one that was asking for their fans to, to donate uh, their, their, if they did not take their full refund or, or if they had the option to take full refund, if they wanted to donate it to East Carolina Athletics, uh, you know, for one of their funds that they could. Because I think that's, you know, for a Power 5 program, you know, like a Texas A&M that's, you know, one of the most revenue-generating schools in the country, that it's not going to be a huge issue for them financially. But for an East Carolina that's not, it certainly is. So, so that's one way where I think some of these schools are getting hit, and it's, it's not uh, not ideal for them. Speaking with Sam Con Jr., senior writer for The Athletic, covering all things college football here on Out of Bounds. Uh, Sam, I, I've noticed this. I always find television ratings very fascinating. They may not tell all the story, but it's certainly interesting that bowls have been up tremendously when it comes to television ratings. Now, it, you hear a lot of people say, oh, there's too many bowls. And you hear a lot of people say, oh, well, who cares about these meaningless bowl games that don't matter as far as the matchup goes? Like, you always hear those things. But the ratings are kind of speaking for themselves, and it's even higher than what it has been in previous years. Why do you think that is? Why do you feel like this year bowl games, especially these bowl games that uh, some have considered to be less than worthy, have been doing so well in the television markets and in the television ratings? I think uh, in some ways, even though I think the world is still in flux, I think a lot of our habits have returned a little bit back to normal, at least in terms of viewing habits, because, you know, the calendar's back to normal. Uh, we, we don't have 
games being pushed back. You know, we're, we're not playing the regular season until mid to late December like we were last year. You know, you know when the games are coming now. They're back into the normal viewing routine that they used to be. The NFL schedule is when it's supposed to be. The NBA schedule is supposed to when it's supposed to be. So now everything in, in that way, at least in the sports world, is kind of back to normal in terms of when things are happening. Uh, the bowl schedule is back in its normal spot, so you're having everything happen during this time. To be sure, we have some of the cancellations, but still, for the most part, we're still going to play most of the games when they're scheduled to be played. So I think that helps in a big way. And I also think one thing that I think people underestimate about college football when they talk about the postseason and they talk about bowl games is, yes, the, va- the regular season is very valuable, and yes, the postseason has lost some of its meaning because of playoffs, but college football is still – one of the things that you see that you don't get to have that many opportunities to watch because just like in the NFL, there's a finite amount of games. It's not like the NBA where there's a game, you know, plus a, a month long, two month long playoff or major league baseball where you have 162 games in a season and college, in college football, your team will play. If, if you make it to a bowl, 13 or 14 games, I guess you get in the playoff, possibly 15, uh, if you get all the way title. And so there's that, not that many time, chances to see your team play. And I think people underestimate that. And I, I always hear that people say that when we talk about expanding the playoff host since we're in the regular season and people aren't going to watch. No, that's not true because you only get to see your team play so many times in a year. And, and you look forward all off season for that chance. People, I don't think, are going to jump off just because, you know, you've added a game or, you, or you've expanded the playoff. I think, if anything, I think it's going to enhance uh, some of the value of the regular season. And, and I think, will it hurt the Bulls to some extent? Yes. But, but again, like you said, the viewer num- the viewing numbers are up, even though a lot of these bowl games don't mean anything in the large grand scheme of college football postseason. None of these teams are playing for the national championship. They're not in the factor. So if that's the case now, I, I can't imagine if they include the New Year's Six Bowls in the playoffs and, and have the playoffs next year. I don't think that's going to change the viewing habits for the other, other games. I, I am still personally going to watch North Texas and Miami play on December 23rd because it's football, man. I mean, how many times do you get to watch this in a year? So I, I'm definitely going to keep watching. I'm sure there are a lot of people like me who will I'm definitely one of them, man. And, you know, these are kind of the times where it comes in handy when you can have multiple TVs in your living room, you know, to just check out all the bowl games and all the other sports going on, too. And, and something else we discussed, and I, I kind of laugh at it because I don't make a big deal out of it, but it certainly seems like people want to. But what do you make of the SEC being over in SEC in, in the bowl game so far this year? Because you know, I think that every bowl game is different, every storyline is different. But people are really touting the fact that the SEC has gone zero and four, or I guess maybe zero and five if you consider Texas A and M having a bow out of their bowl game. Yeah, I, I think part of it. I mean, there's it's two things. I like people like to make the joke that the SEC teams don't care about the bowl games, and I'm sure there's some truth to that. If you look at a game like Florida and UCF. There's no doubt that UCF was more fired up to play that game. That's not to say that Florida players didn't care. I, I, I am hesitant to always say that players don't care because players love to play. And so they're going to win. And when they play, they want to win. But they, I think there is a, a way to talk about the degree of motivation. And I would, I would argue that UCF was way more fired up to play Florida than Florida was to play UCF. That's a game UCF has wanted for quite some time. Uh, on the same figure, Houston and Auburn yesterday in the Birmingham Bowl. You know, Auburn, you know, they, they have some personal losses, but so did Houston. But Houston definitely, who was a better team, in my opinion anyway, is coming off a really good season, and they felt like they had something to prove. I don't think Auburn looked at Houston, despite a, an 11-2 and record going into the game, 
and thought to themselves, well, they're as good as Alabama or they're as good as Texas A&M or some of these other teams that we've played in the SEC. But uh, so, so maybe that I think part of that is human nature is guys are going to maybe underestimate teams when they play them. Uh, you know, why do I watch Texas Tech? You know, I, I certainly, Texas Tech certainly like they wanted to be here yesterday against Mississippi State. So, I mean, I think part of it is motivation, but I also think part of it is personnel losses. I mean, you, the Mississippi State game we look at, they had a lot of personal losses. You know, Florida had some personal losses. You've got a, a situation there where the quarterback's going to transfer right after the game. Uh, so, uh, th- those opt-outs and, and the SEC being the conference that has the most NFL draft picks, naturally they're going to have more guys that opt out of these games because, they're going to have more guys that are going to be appealing and more draft eligible. So, so I think that's a factor in it too, as well as the coaching changes and all that. So I, I think there's a large laundry list of reasons for that. Uh, and, and I don't think – I think these bowl games are not something that we need to take a lot away from. It's not – I don't think we need to make big value judgments on these teams uh, based on bowl results because of the unwieldy nature of coaching situations, transfers, and player movements. So what do you make of opt-outs? Because that's been something that, like here in Arkansas, for instance, Traylon Burks, phenomenal wide receiver, uh, opted out in the early part of the bowl season and forwent his senior year. I think the majority of Razorback fans understood and were, were fine with it, but there were some that didn't like it, didn't like opting out of a bowl game, especially when you worked so hard and all you did all season long to have that final game with your team. Some people don't like that, and I know that every situation is different, but what do you make of players – opting out of bowl games, and do you think that there's like a, a particular like threshold where, okay, well, if you get to this good of a bowl game, then you don't need to be opting out of it? No, I mean, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with it because, uh, again, these guys have a lot of value waiting for them on the other end of it. and What potentially is awaiting them on the NFL level, it, it, I understand the difficulty of risk. And I think part of the problem is, and people don't, I think, really discuss this much, is the such of the, the large break between the regular season and bowl season. I mean, you have almost a month in some cases where you, you finish your last regular season game and then you're going to play a bowl game. That's a pretty long layoff, and I think that's why it makes it easier for some of these guys to do it. I think if the bowls were a little bit closer to the end of the season, if you had them maybe like a couple of weeks after as opposed to a month after, I think that would make it that you would see fewer opt-outs happen. I also think, as we discussed earlier, the fact that some of these, a lot of these games don't have real stakes attached factors into it as well. But certainly we've not seen anybody opt out of a playoff game. And that's why I think playoff expansion will be a good thing down the road. And I don't think you will see people opt out of a playoff game. Or if you do, it's going to be a very, very, very thing because guys do want to play for championships and they know that those games can also help create value for them at the next level as well. So I think that if there's a way, whether it's, Andy Staples, my colleague, came out with a great idea that I thought was, why not make some create some kind of financial incentive for these guys, make some payouts or whether it's some kind of NIL deals or something like that for these bowl games for these players to incentivize them to play. But Because I think that's, the financial part is a big piece of it, and it's the biggest reason why it's happening. But beyond that, I, I think as long as coaches are moving and coaches are willing to leave their teams before a bowl, I think players are going to do the same when it comes to opt-out. You know, you brought up an interesting point where it's like when your team's in the playoff, if you have expanded playoffs, it's going to be more teams that have a chance, which is going to mean less opt-outs for those big-time teams. Because I was thinking about it just from, like, the basketball sense. Like, I don't know of many players that will opt out of the postseason if their team is in the NCAA tournament. But if their team's in the NIT – then suddenly it might be a more of a likely thing. Like Daniel Gafford, I remember here at Arkansas, opted out of the NIT 
uh, to try to go to the NBA. So uh, that's an interesting point is if you just put it into a an importance type of thing, you're going to have a lot more people staying in it. And I, and I like the financial angle of it too because, listen, it's hard to say. You know, we keep talking about meaningless bowl games, and it sucks because it's like there's just the reality of it. But at the same time, you don't want to see these games getting played or not getting played with skeleton crew and scout teams out there either. So it's kind of like you, you got, you're got screwed either way, but you want to try to find a solution that helps everybody. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that, that, that that's the thing. is, And I like to look at it as a class half full thing. It's like, hey, you get a lot of opt-outs. Like, say, for instance, A&M, if they had played, they had a bunch of opt-outs. But you know what? They have a lot of really good recruiting classes they brought in the last few years. That you would have gotten a chance to see some of those guys. And and I think that's a good thing. And I, I think some – some coaches look at the bowl game, especially if it's not if it's not one with stakes attached, if it's not part of the playoff, or if it's not a New Year's Six game. I think a lot of coaches look at it in some ways as a launching pad to the following season, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I think there's that that's okay to look at it as these things change. But again, I think part of it is coaches leading the way. Is is when we got to a point where coaches were willing to leave before a bowl game, and most of them do now. Some of them do say, I guess Texas Tech was one of those exceptions. Uh, yesterday with Sonny Tumby and and uh, Keith Patterson, their different coordinator, staying on after getting head coaching jobs elsewhere. But I, I think when that happens, when when you started to see that trend ha- start to increase over the years, I think that sent a message to players that hey, for us as coaches, it's not important. Or it's more important for us to go to our next big deal, our next big job. To me, that that message trickles down to players. Where players, hey, who are having an NFL future say, well, guess what? You know what? If you're going to do that, then I need to like up myself. So it's unfortunate that we've reached that point. But at the same time, I understand the fact that the play, and again, I, I go back to the timing of it, and I understand we can't change the timing of it because we have finals and final exams involved and stuff like that. But I think a big part of it is the large layoff. If, if the large layoff that we had in between wasn't there, I think we'd see fewer of these issues crop up. So, Sam, uh, before we let you get out of here, uh, we've been talking about, obviously, the passing of John Madden and, and the icon that he is in football. Uh, I'm curious, though, because I feel like it's maybe a generational thing. When you think of John Madden, what do you think of? Do you think of the coach? Do you think of the broadcaster? Or do you think of the video game? What do you think of first? I definitely think of the broadcaster first because that was, that was my first exposure to him. I, I was too young to see him as a coach, uh, and, you know, I'm in my late 30s. But uh, I remember when he went from – CBS to Fox when when Fox got the NFC package in the mid-90s and what a big deal that was. And him and Summerall were my Sunday afternoon soundtrack every week. I, I, would, I was a big uh, 49ers fan as a kid uh, in those days, and they were a very good team back then. And, the, and my dad was a big Cowboys fan. We would watch the Cowboys and 49ers and Summerall and Dad uh, call the game every, week, every year. And, uh, and we would watch them call the big Sunday game every weekend, whatever that one was. Uh, and so that was my always impact impact for me. But as I grew older and, and got into college, uh, Madden became the video game became a thing for me. And me and my friends, just like I'm sure you and yours played it incessantly. I, I honestly, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, maybe skipped a few college classes in order to go play some Madden <laughs> with some buddies and uh, stayed up till four or five in the morning playing tournaments with friends and stuff like that. But uh, you know, it, it was one thing that taught me a lot about the game. Uh, it taught me a little bit about scheme, uh, more than I think I ever would have known otherwise. And uh, and certainly he left an indelible impact on the sport. And generations of people, kids and, and, and fans, are going to know his name. Uh, and just from what he did from a, from the video game standpoint, 
uh, more than they more even more I think than the broadcast standpoint, and that's going to live on for a long, long time. And I think it's really cool to see a guy have that kind of impact on a sport as a coach, as a broadcaster, and as a video game pioneer. It's pretty cool to have that kind of impact on the sport. It's a legacy that's going to last for a long, long time. No doubt about it. Sam Con Jr. of The Athletic. Sam, appreciate it, man. Enjoy these bowl games. Hopefully all of them get played from here on out, man. But appreciate you joining us, and uh, we'll be catching up with you later down the road. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me, John. Take care. I appreciate it. Again, that was Sam Con Jr. of The Athletic joining us, talking a little college football. Take a commercial break. We'll come back with more Out of Bounds. We broadcast live from Tampa for the Outback Bowl. Stay with us. <laughs> 